Come on, are you glad to be in church today? Come on, are you glad? Don't let a little bit of snow keep you from coming into the presence of God. Listen, I don't know about you, but this series is just getting me fired up about our gatherings. That we're not just coming to do church this year, but I just could have put a stake in the ground and say 2023. This is a year where things change in my life. This is a year where God does more in my life than ever before because of how I come into these moments. And if you were here last week, we learned how to praise. We learned that we don't just show up and watch. It's only entertainment up here if you don't participate. But when you come with a praise in your heart, regardless of how you feel, that's when something begins to shift in the atmosphere of your life. I hope you came today to give him praise. And today I'm excited about the word that God's given me. I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna do something in us. And so would you just bow your heads with me? Let's just take a moment and really invite God in this moment to speak to us. God, we don't, we don't come into these kind of moments lightly. Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to celebrate, to have fun, to worship you in music and with songs. But I believe, God, just as much these moments as we open up the word that you've given us, the scriptures. God, I'm praying that you would impart life. I pray, God, that you would help me to, to get out of my way and allow your words to penetrate our hearts and our minds to, to bring life. God, at the end of the day, I don't wanna just do this as, as a practice, as some kind of religious exercise, but it's my great desire that every time we gather as a community, that you're here, that you're speaking, and that you're changing us. I wanna be different this year. I believe that for us in this room, and it comes when we open our hearts to what you have to say. And so God, open our minds today to receive this message from your heart today. We love you, we praise you, and we all said these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Everyone said together. Come on, can we give him praise one more time? All right, you can be seated. Great to have you here today. And if you're new with us, welcome. We're excited you're here. We're in the middle of a series called Sunday Best, um, how to really go to church. And though I know many of you, um, you're here, if you're watching, you know how to go to church. This is this is beyond that. I'm talking about how do I make the most out of these moments. Um, if you're going to go to church this year and be committed, how do, how do I invest my time but see something really come out of it? And so that's what I want to talk about. And I believe whether you're brand new to faith, this kind of this time, this message will 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 speak to you, encourage you, and if you've been going to church for three decades. I think sometimes we'll do things so much out of habit that we lose the heart of it. And so that's kind of what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Now today, if I could just be honest, today's message is a little weird for me, okay? It's a little weird because I want to share a message about a message. I wanna preach a sermon about a sermon. Normally I don't do that, let me just say that, okay? Normally we talk about a variety of different things and open up God's word, see what he speak to us. Today I wanna talk about this portion of our gathering where somebody gets up and preaches a message and you just sit there and try not to fall asleep. I wanna talk about the portion of the message in our experience. And here's what I want you to know. I, it's, it's my great hope that these kind of moments and what I, I hope is, it's not to entertain you, okay? I, I don't, I'm not up here doing a, sometimes people say, hey, that was a great speech you did. I, I don't see it like giving a speech, okay? All right, I, I'm not, this isn't like a monologue. This isn't like my act, okay? This isn't any of those things. This is an opportunity for us as a community to come together to open up scriptures and say, God, will you speak to us? 
Now, this has been going on, um, part of humanity, for forever, really. Okay, it's not just something that really started with the church or in the church, but this idea of gathering to hear someone speak and to be inspired and to, to someone challenge us. You, you see this, by the way, outside the church? I'm thinking about like motivational speakers like Tony Robbins, right? Tony Robbins, well-known motivational speaker. You go to one of his seminars and you get all fired up about life. Or maybe someone like Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman or, you know, Braveheart. You know, I mean, it's like any of those. You know what I'm talking about, Mel Gibson, when he gives that speech and everybody's fired up and ready to run into battle? Sometimes I feel like that's my job, get us all fired up to run into battle. Um, in fact, this this past week, we, we really took a moment to celebrate a very significant person in the, the history of our nation, the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, you wanna talk about incredible pastor, preacher, orator, uh, civil rights leader that made a huge impact of change in our country. Like, we, we celebrate these things. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is this idea of kind of gathering together, hear someone talk, is, is not just in the church. This, this is something that we, we see experienced all throughout humanity that we wanna be inspired and we wanna hear something that's gonna challenge us. Now, I wanna go back, and I'm gonna, we're gonna be in two places if you brought your Bible. We're gonna be in Nehemiah, the first part, in Matthew, an Old Testament and New Testament. So if you got your Bible, electronic device, whatever you're taking notes with, because we are leaned in for the Sunday best, right? We're leaned in for these moments. Uh, I wanna start in Nehemiah chapter eight. Nehemiah chapter eight. Believe it or not, this idea of the church gathering and hearing an apostle or someone preach did not start in the book of Acts, okay? It started way before that. And um, there's a moment where Nehemiah, who's kind of this leader in the Old Testament, who's bringing all the nation of Israel back out of kind of slavery or out of bondage in Babylon, Persia. They're going back to Jerusalem to rebuild. And when they're doing this, and Nehemiah's one of the leaders, they found a copy of their scriptures, They'd been, they'd been in uh, captivity for so many years. Uh, the book of the law, it's the first five books of your Bible. And when they found it, they got it all out, gathered everybody and said, let's hear from it. We wanna, we wanna hear what's in it. In Nehemiah chapter eight, this is where we find this moment happening. I wanna read to you just a few verses to really set up the context of where we're going today. Nehemiah eight, verse four, it says, Ezra, he was the preacher that day, Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. This thing, okay? We got concrete, it'll do, right? And it says that beside him on his right, it's, I need some people up here with me. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, okay. We're gonna skip the rest of these names because I'll butcher them. So let's just go to verse five, all right? A bunch of guys were up here with him. Verse five, it says, Ezra, I want you to note this, that Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them, it makes sense. And as he opened it, it says all the people did what? As he opened it, all the people did what? No, that was your cue to stand up. I want everybody to stand up for just a moment. I know, you're like, I just sat down. We had to stand for all the songs, and now I'm so tired. Okay, I get it, I get it. Now, in some traditions, by the way, depending on how you were raised in church, 
this is a very common practice. I know we're kind of casual and, you know, but in some, can I just say, some traditions still, whenever the pastor or the preacher gets up to read the passage of scripture that day, you know, everybody stands. It still happens. If you're wondering where this tradition comes from, I think it comes from this moment. Now, I don't think it necessarily it matters like if we're standing or we're sitting when we hear God's word. I think it's a cool thing. It's fine to do. The idea is not really whether you're on your feet or on your butt. Here's the idea. The idea is that when they opened up scripture, the people honored the moment. They honored it. That, that's why you stand, right? When you stand in the prayer, you're honoring. It's not for me. We're standing for the word of God. And so here's, we'll just, we'll just finish it in this moment. As he opened up the book, all the people stood. It says in verse six that Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all their people lifted their hands. And how did they respond? Say it out loud. They responded, amen. say it again, amen. amen. They responded and they said, amen, amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You can skip that part. I don't wanna go too far. You're gonna be like, no, 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 we're not doing that. You can be seated, you can be seated. I want to note just a couple things about this. This is kind of one of the first places we can go back in Scripture where we see this moment being played out. Where they gathered to hear something that would inspire them from God's word. And they stood and they received it. And, and, and here's the thing. It says that before they did this, they built a platform. They built a big wooden platform for the pastor to stand on. The teacher, Ezra. They built this platform. Now, can I just tell you, this was for a real practical reason. The reason why they built the platform was so that the communicator could get up high enough to see over the crowd of people. They had thousands, maybe, you know, tens of thousands of people gathered. And it was, we're going to build a platform, so you can stand on it, to get up to see over top. If you wonder why churches are designed this way, listen, it is for the effectiveness of the communication. Here's what we all probably know about communication, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-ten, one-to-hundreds, it doesn't matter. But for there to be effective communication, you kind of need to see the person. Because here's what we know. We learn even more oftentimes through the verbal or nonverbal expression as much as the verbal. It goes together, which is why I'm elevated right now so everybody can see me. Now, and, and I can see your faces. Now, I, it's kind of odd sometimes. We not only have a, a, a room where the, there's a platform that I'm elevated, but we also have these side screens. It gets in tight. And sometimes you should see from my perspective because I'm looking at you and you're looking like this. It's real weird sometimes for me. I'm just looking at you and you're going. And I understand that. That's cool. But why? Sometimes you might choose the screen depending on where you're sitting over, over on, looking at me directly, here's why. It's because you know you wanna, for real communication, you gotta get it all. You, you gotta see it, you gotta take it in. It's not just the words, it's the expression, it's the body language, it's the whole package when it comes to communication. And I get that, I get that. That's why we have it today. But can I just say this? I wanna ask this, please never confuse having a platform for the preacher for practical reasons with having a platform for the preacher for spiritual reasons. Because I have seen this also happen in church, which is that sometimes we want to take and we put the pastor not on a platform to preach for communication purposes, but on a pedestal thinking somehow he's more spiritual, he's more righteous, she's better than I am. Can I just tell you, just because I'm higher up for communication purposes, it does not mean I'm closer to God than you are. 
You can have as much of God, be as close to God. I'm not like somehow I'm a better person than you are. I'm a more spiritual person than you are. Do you know how many pastors have been on platforms, have fallen on their faces before? So I ask you, don't put me on a pedestal. I got my own messes. I got my own skeletons. I got my own sin I wrestle with. I got my own struggle, okay? The goal of a moment like this, here's the goal. The goal of a moment like this is not to get you to look at me. It's, this is my prayer, is to get you to look at Jesus. It's not to get you to trust me. I mean, I hope you do, and obviously I understand there's gotta be some trust to receive the message, but it's not to get you to trust in me. It's to get you to trust in God. And when we open up God's word, it's, it's a moment that we honor, and here's what's interesting. They, they got this platform, and Ezra gets up there, and he opens up the book, and everybody stands, and they listen to Ezra as he's reading from it, and Ezra, as he's reading it, begins to praise God, and he's reading it, and all of a sudden, it says that people raise their hands, and what did they say? Do you remember? Say it out loud if you remember. They said, amen. oh, that's good. They said, amen. We can do better than that. Let's all say it. One, two, three. Amen. amen. They said amen. Now, I don't know what your experience was with church, okay? I know we've all come from different backgrounds. Some of you may have come from like really kind of reserved and, and the whole time the pastor preached, nobody says a word. You're taking it in, but you don't say a word. Just quiet. I get that. I get that. Um, but can I just tell you that for there to be real effective communication, it takes two it really does. I mean, we understand that. It takes two. And so this idea, I love it, even as far back in the Old Testament, that during a message they would respond, amen, amen. And maybe you're like, I, yeah, I, what does that even mean? Maybe you don't know what the word amen means. Maybe you just always thought, I don't know, somebody one time said something good and someone said, hey, man, that's pretty good. And it just became, amen, amen. Do you know what amen means? It means so be it. It's actually a response where you're saying, I agree. Where you're saying, yeah, let that happen. It, it, it's, it's an agreement term. It's where you're kind of like responding in agreement. You say, amen, That's, I agree with that. That's a good word. That speaks to me. That's what the word amen means. And there, there was this response. Now here's what is really true about all communication. For it to be effective, you need to actively participate. I just wanna say that. You're free to, in our church, I don't care what background you came from, I'm just saying, to actively participate, because here's what we know. For there to be real effective communication that gets in, it's not just hearing, we would know this in our own interpersonal relationships, but it's, also, it's real listening. Now, when I was in college, I, I took a class on communication, and one of the things that they taught us was they taught us that for there to be effective communication, there needs to be active listening. Have you ever heard of active listening? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of active listening. There needs to be active listening. What's active listening? Active listening is when your spouse is talking to you. I don't know if any of you ever do this. Okay. The other day, I was gonna, I was gonna say it, the other day, my wife was in the kitchen, and she was doing something in the kitchen, cleaning up or whatever, and I was sitting on the couch, and, and I was, you know, we're kind of connected, but far away, and she's just talking to me. She's just talking to me. Really, I was looking the other direction. She's talking to me, and I don't think she could see that I had my phone right down like this, and I'm like watching something on video, and she's just talking and talking and talking, and I am not responding at all, and finally, she just gets annoyed. I just hear her get real quiet. What? Did you? Hey, 
say something. I'm talking to you. You're not even listening to me. Oh, I, I heard you. And then I, I was managed to regurgitate the last three words. Did any of you do that? It's the last three words. I'm sorry, honey. The, the, I was like, and, and we'll say things like, oh, no, no, I heard you. But we all know there's a difference between hearing and listening. Thank you. There's somebody who's been married. She's been married. Hello. That might have been for your husband, not for me. But anyways. There's a difference, right? That the, and what's the difference? Feedback. Feedback. This will help you in your own relationship. This is not even about the message. For communication, there should be feedback. There should be some kind of response. This isn't just in the church. This happens all over the place. This happens every day at work. It happens in even big environments. Like I, I was thinking about um, how coming up, it's, I, I don't exactly know when, but it always feels like it's around the third or fourth week of January. There's this major uh, televised moment where the President of the United States gives the State of the Union address. How many of you have ever seen a State of the Union address? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Okay. It doesn't matter if you like the President or not. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a big moment. The State of the Union address where he's addressing the nation. And you got all of Congress is assembled in this big room. And the President will say something. And when the President says something that's good, half of the people will go, right? They'll all clap. Half of them. If he says something that's really good, about a third of the half of people will do what? Stand up and clap. And then you'll get a couple on the other side. It's the funniest thing ever. I'm telling you, watch it just for that. They'll show the room, says something, half the room, his party stands up, claps, right? Maybe two or three people, they're stragglers. They don't really get along. They'll stand up over here. And, and what, but what I'm saying is, is whenever there is communication, to know if it's, if it's effective, even in your side, my side, though, there, there should be some type of response and feedback. Can I tell you one of my favorite places to preach over this last year? I mean, I love preaching in our church. Don't get me wrong. I love you guys. I love, this is no other place I want to be. But one of my favorite places for actual preaching this past year was in a prison. I got to go preach at one of the correctional institutions that we're in and serving all the time. And, and I... I I'm preaching to about 110 guys that are locked up. They're in prison. Their life is difficult, painful. Yes, they've made a lot of decisions that landed them there. I understand. But they would show up in this moment, and I would preach, and I could barely get a two sentences out. And they're like, amen, preach it, pastor. Give it to us. Come on. Oh, and they lift their hand like this, and they're all into it. And I find it kind of ironic. People whose life is re they're really hard, and they're locked up, and, and they can't go anywhere. They're responding like so appreciative and excited, and yet everybody that's free is kind of boring. I mean, all of us, we have the freedom to be here or not. We go to church and it's like, I need to check my phone. Let's see. Did the game start yet? You know, and, and, and I just, I find it ironic that, that those who don't seem to have a whole lot to live for can be so enthusiastic in receiving the message. And so I, I wanted to help you because maybe some of you, you know, whatever your background, that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to, but... I wanted to help you. Let me give you a, a few ways that you can respond when you're in an environment appropriately in, in this kind of setting. Um, one of the things that you can do is this. I want everybody take your head and go like this. Do that. Just do that. Just nod at me. Yeah, that helps. That helps. I'm preaching something. You go, mm. just nod. 
maybe make a little fake, mm, a little stank fake. Just, mm, pastor, man, man. Mm. Okay, here's another one. Here's another one. This, this is easy. You can do this. Maybe you just kind of like just go like this. Go, mmm. You just go, mmm. Just, just go do it. You go, mmm. Just kind of kind of like you've been on a fast for 20 days and haven't had a carb, and your grandmother just made some of those biscuits that just came out of the oven. You just got to put some in. Just, mmm. That's a word. Mmm. Dang. You can say that. I don't care. You, you, can, you can say amen. Let's all try it. Amen. You can, that, means, that means, oh, I'm digging this. I'm with this. This is speaking to me. Gosh, okay. You can just say preach. You can just say, I mean, you can just say give it to me, pastor. You can, I've, I've heard all of those. Okay, I've heard them all. I've heard them all. I don't mind them. Why? Because I would, I would rather know that, it, that you are connecting with it, and I'd rather you know that you're connecting with it. Now, let me just tell you, when you actively participate in the receiving of the message, it actually does something in you and around you. It does something in you. Number one, I think that we learned this last week, actively responding. It's one thing, okay, I worship God. It's another thing to express it in praise. And we learned that. There's something about the expression. There's something about the outward. The same would be true when it comes to God's word, receiving it, okay? There's something about the expression. There's something about the, the receptivity of your life when you can respond. Amen. And I believe that it, it, it speaks to God. God's hearing you go, oh, I got it. I'm receiving this. I believe that it, it communicates with the speaker. So that it's like, this is your way of kind of going, yeah, this is speaking to me. This is getting me. And can I just tell you, here's one that's often overlooked. It makes a difference for those around you. Because there are people who come to our church all the time and they're exploring and they're not sure what they believe and maybe they're not sure if God's real and they're really struggling and they're hurting. And do you know when they see you experiencing something with God through worship, through receiving the message, do you know that it actually encourages them? It builds their faith. When your faith is low, but you see somebody else is like, I get this, and this is helping me, then you know what? It actually speaks to them. And so it does more than you imagine. It really does. And so when Nehemiah opened the book, people all responded, and, and there was this synergy around the communication of God's word. Now, let me just say this, okay? And I I work hard, and I want to try to always prepare a message that's going to encourage you, hopefully keep your attention, and hopefully help you, all these things. But I want you to hear this part. It's not the quality of the sermon that makes the biggest difference. It's the condition of your heart that makes the biggest difference. It's helping you out, you know, when the... Listen, here's how I know that, because I've sat in some really bad messages. Don't shake your head at that part. That's, that's not where you go, amen, don't amen that, a bad time. I, I have, okay, just in my life. Over, But I've also seen God use them to do incredible things in people's lives. Because at the end of the day, it's not my words that matter. It's God's word. It's his spirit speaking to you. And he can take a bad, I don't ever want to deliver, listen, so I, I, I prepare, I work hard, I practice them. Do you realize I don't just get up here for the first time? I actually practice them out loud. Sometimes I preach to my dog. I do all these things before I get here because I don't want to practice. I want to be ready to deliver what God wants to say, okay? I, and, but here's the thing. It's not the quality of the message that makes the big difference. It's the condition of your heart when you receive it. That makes all the difference. And if you don't believe me, this is what Jesus taught. And so I want to jump over Matthew. If you've got your Bible and you're still out, I want to jump to Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. 
In Matthew 13, Jesus shares a parable, a story, to help us understand how do we respond in moments like this. In Matthew 13, it says this, Jesus told many stories. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. And the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have any deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. In verse 8, still other seeds fell on the fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So here's what Jesus does. He shares a parable, a story, to help us understand how to respond in these moments. Now, if you've got um, NIV, I noticed this in some of my Bibles, they break them down and they put little headers. You have that maybe in yours, a little, a little header of each section. I find it funny that we call this the parable of the sower, because it's not about the sower. This, this parable has nothing to do with the sower. This is a parable about the seed in the soil. It's about us, it's about the condition. And today I wanna to talk, just in what time we have left, about the four conditions that Jesus said that we can have when we come into these moments. And I wanna ask you, which one might represent your heart? The first one that Jesus talked about is he said, the hard soil. The heart, this is packed down. You can't get in it, right? Uh, Jesus said that some people, when the seed, which is the message of the kingdom of God, is preached, falls on the hard soil, but it's so compact, it's so hard, it can't get down in there to do any good, okay? And when it's uh, thrown onto the footpath, it says it was trampled on and birds came. Now, Jesus later would explain what all of these are. And he says, this is the person that hears but does not understand. It doesn't, it doesn't get in. And he said that the birds coming to pick the seed are the de is, what, is the devil. That the devil will come along when you don't understand it, and the devil will snatch away the seed so that it can't produce anything in your life. Now, for why does the, the, the ground get hard? Because we don't understand. Now, I have a part in this. I accept that. All right, it is my goal, whenever I'm preaching a message, it is my goal to make it as understandable and relatable as possible to you in your life. My, my goal, if you ever wonder what I think about, I think about the fact that we have high school students. Yes, this is an age-appropriate environment. We have high school students all the way up to 85-year-olds. And I want, we also have, it's not just age, we also have people that maybe don't know anything about God. We have people that come to our church that haven't been in a church ever before, or it's been 40 years since they set foot in a church. They, they don't remember or know anything about God. And my goal in preaching, listen, is not to impress you with big theological words. I don't, you may notice this already about my preaching. You don't hear me say big words like ecclesiology and eschatology and orthopraxy and all these big, who cares, words. Unless you've been to Bible school, you you're like, I don't even know what he just said. Speaking in tongues, I don't get it. That's... I, I don't want to, not because I don't understand them, 
but because I want to make sure you understand what God is trying to reveal. And I think sometimes, I was going to say this, there's some preachers in my profession, they care more about you thinking that like we're really clever and real smart and intelligent. But let me just say this, a preacher is not intelligent if they preach to a level that everybody doesn't understand. That's dumb. There's not a teacher in this world that knows that truth better than I do. So I, I just want you to know this. My goal is, is not to be clever, but to be clear. Why? Because honestly, I just, I don't want us to have any excuses. I want every person, regardless of your first time in church, to, to be able to go, oh, I think I understand what he was saying. That, that's what I want. And sometimes, let me just say this, people confuse this uh, with our church when they come and they say, man, I just feel like the preaching is not very deep. I've heard that. That's fine. I, I understand that. But the sad reality is most of the time when people say that is what they mean by deep is they want confusing. I could confuse you. I'm confused half the time trying to figure it out. But what I do during the week, and I understand this is my, I wrestle with really complex things. Sometimes these matters are complex. Wait, you think this is hard. Wait till the next series. I, I wrestle with these and I try to communicate them to a way that everybody could, I can get that. And, and deep to me is not confusing. Deep to me is when seed can actually go down. That's deep. When the seed gets in there so that it actually produces something. Now, listen, all the responsibility for the hard soil is not on me, though. It's also on you. It's not just the sower, it's also the soil, the, the hardness. And I have found that our posture that we bring into these moments matters. How, how do you come to church? Well, let's just go to church. and you, Do you come prepared to receive something from God? Do you bring a Bible, electronic device, some way to take notes, some way to lean in? So are you coming with an attitude where you're saying, okay, I, I think I need, I want God to speak to me today. I know the preacher's gonna preach on whatever, but I, I really believe the spirit of God's gonna drill something into my life that I really need. Do you come with that kind of posture? And I have found that when we have a hardened um, soil of our life, it's often because there's two things that can create that. One of them is that we can show up at church cynical. And you may not sit like this in the seat, that's fine. But inside, you might have your arms crossed. You might be overly critical. And you might be a little bit cynical about, you know, I don't know if I buy half of this. And listen, you're not a follower of Jesus, I get it. I, I would be too. But for those of us that we'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I come to these moments so that I can, I can be challenged and receive. If you have a posture that says, I'm going to wait to hear what I say, hear what he says, and if that speaks to me, then I'm good. But if it challenges me, mm, I don't know about that. You actually are hard soil, and you're going to miss what God wants to do. You could be cynical or I think sometimes we can be lazy, lazy. See, see, part of the job of understanding is on you. I'm gonna do my best, but you also have to do your best to fully understand it and embrace it, which could mean I'm gonna write down this and I'm gonna write down the passages and later that week I'm gonna open up my Bible and I'm gonna read them again and I'm gonna look at these notes and I'm gonna ask God to put some things together in my life. It's on you to as well go and do it. Not just like, oh, he's gotta put it all together on a silver platter and right here and this is tell, tell me what to do. Sometimes I don't tell you what to do because I don't know all of you and you have a different situation. I trust the spirit of God to tell you what to 
do. I just want to present to you the word of God, show you how you can apply it, then you got to do something with it. you got to do something with it. And, and the goal for me is not to get you just to believe me. It's to get you to believe the, the words that come from Jesus, the word of God. And I, I would be fine with you as Paul, who praised the Bereans, he said, they received the message with joy and then searched the scriptures every day to see if it lined up. I'm okay with that. Please do that. And so I think sometimes if we approach, if we approach the message with a hardened heart and hard soil, it won't produce any change. So you can, you can come to church 45 more times the rest of this year and nothing change in your life. I don't want that. That's a waste. Huh, let's not do that. The second type of soil that he talked about was shallow, the shallow soil. Jesus said um, there, there's some people, they have, they have some decent dirt on top, but it doesn't go very deep. It's just rocks underneath, real hard underneath, right? And when I was thinking about this, I, I think this could maybe even describe, it's not, not a negative thing always, this could describe somebody who's new to faith, somebody who's brand new. Because Jesus said, these are the people, they receive it with excitement, but, but the problem is, is they don't have a, a lot of deep soil so that it, it can create deep roots. In fact, Jesus, when he was explaining this, this is what he said. Let me read this in verse, uh, I think it was uh, 20 and 21. He said that the seed, okay, he said the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Oh, pastor, preach, that's good. Man, I take that, that's good, right? But since they don't have what, what does he say? But since they don't have, come on, say it out loud. But since they don't have, they don't have any deep roots. It's, nothing's grown down in it. It says they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or trouble or they're persecuted for believing God's word. Can I just tell you, I have seen this really happen. As a pastor, and it breaks my heart, but I have seen this so many times, more times than I can tell you. The people will come, and they're, they're craving something, and they experience the presence of God, and it moves them, and they say, I'm in, and they receive it with joy, but because they don't have any depth, they haven't created deep roots, that as soon as trouble comes, they fall away. Can I just be honest with you? I, I think all of our churches around our country experienced this back in 2020. 2020 was a year with a lot of problems. It really was. And most churches, when I talk to other pastors, all experienced about at least 30 to 40% of people that disappeared and never came back. That can happen when you have shallow soil but no real roots. And I, as much as I love these moments, and I hope you love these moments, they're my favorite moments of the week. I look forward to this moment every single week. As much as I love this, can I just tell you, 40 minutes in a message will not create deep roots in your life. Please hear me, it will not. And I don't care if you come back every single week, and I hope you do come back. It will help, don't get me wrong. I'd rather have that than nothing in my life. But that is not enough to enable you to grow some real deep roots. You need to do some things on your own. You, need, you know what develops real deep roots in your life? This is what I've experienced. Time with God on your own. Spend some time with God. 
Try it every day, five minutes. I don't care. We give you, we give you plans. We give you reading plans. We'll help you. But read the Bible. Spend some time talking to God. What else can you do? Study the Bible. Take notes. Go home. Open it back up in your quiet time. Go back through those same verses and say, God, speak to me in a deeper way. You can study the Bible. Have spiritual conversations with other people. That can really help. If you're not in a small group, a circle, get into a circle. By the way, we have circles launching next week. This is the perfect time. You're saying this year, I want to create deep roots. We've got an environment that will help you where you can ask questions, where you can wrestle with things and have good conversations with people that will help you to grow deep roots in your life. I love these kind of moments, but can I be honest, it's not enough. I mean, it'll be enough when life's good. But listen, the moment life gets hard, the moment life gets painful, and some of y'all know what that's like right now, when you're wrestling with a health scare, when you have a family member that's really struggling with an addiction, when you're a single mom just trying to make ends meet, when you're facing something that's hard, you need deep roots. And so some, Jesus said, they're gonna have shallow soil. Then, then there's another uh, group of people that Jesus describes. He says, some seed fell on the thorny soil. The thorns. And when I was reading this and I was reading the description of what Jesus said, what does it mean to have thorny soil? I, I thought about a lot of us. And the, the truth is that there are a lot of us that the seed can get in and maybe even start to produce some change in our lives. The problem is we have weeds in our garden as well. We have sticklers growing up. We've got thorns that are growing up. And Jesus said that thorns have an ability to choke the life out of what we really want to grow. In fact, I, when I think about this, I often think about the mature person that maybe has been in our community, that maybe you know Jesus, and maybe you've read the Bible five times on your own, and you've, been to, you've heard thousands of sermons like I have, and you can have that, but you can also have some thorns growing in your soul. Now, here's how Jesus described this in verse 22. Let me read this. Jesus said, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the what? Can you all say that word out loud with me? By the worries, say it again, by the worries of this life and the what? And the lure of wealth so that no fruit is produced. Jesus said there's two things in these thorns that tend to choke out the message God has for us every single week from producing anything. The first thing he said is worry. Oh, I get it, so just don't worry, be happy, right? That we just come to church and act like I don't have anything. I don't think that's God's intention. Please hear me. God knows you have worries. He knows I have worries. We all have things that we're worried about. I get that, I really do. Um, I, and I don't think this is God's way of saying, hey, just stop worrying. I always hate it when people say, stop worrying. Okay, that's easier said than done. Why don't you come get my shoes right now, right? That's not what he's saying. In fact, the same word worry that Jesus used, the apostle Paul would later use in the book of Galatians when he would tell us this, cast your cares or your worries upon him for he cares for you. God knows that we have worries. He wants us to bring our worries to him. He understands all of that. This idea of worry, do you know what the word worry means? It means to distract or to divide. Here's what I believe Jesus was saying. 
Sometimes the message and the seed that God has, it might go into our life and start to take root. The problem is, is that we've got other distractions. We've got other things that are growing in our life, and we are not surrendering those to God. We're carrying them. We're holding on to these other things so that on Sunday, I can barely pay attention, but the rest of the week, it's gone. Because I'm worried, and I know we've got worries. So I would encourage you, when you show up here on a Sunday, maybe, you know, one of the things you can do is you can worship and have your worry. You can bring your worry to God in worship. One of the greatest things you can do with your worry is to surrender it to God and say, God, I am stressed and I'm worried and I don't know what's going to happen next week and I don't know what's going to happen with my mom. And I don't. And you can just say, God, I need you to take this. God, I need your peace. God, I need your help. You can do that. Do that while we worship before you even get to the message. I don't care if you sing the lyrics. I care that you have a real worship experience and encounter with God. And when you do that, it enables you to receive what God has and you don't lose it during the week. I know it's hard, it's hard. That's why I think this is one of the more challenging ones. He said um, worry, which is distraction, and then he said the lure of wealth, which was deception. What are the thorns that will choke the message of God out of our life? It's distraction and deception. One translation says the deceitfulness of riches. The whole idea of I, I, I come in on Sunday, that's great. The rest of the week, I am just radically pursuing more and bigger. I gotta figure out how to get wealthy, and I don't work a ton of hours. Listen, there's nothing wrong with, with having achievement and going after things, but when that becomes greater than responding in obedience to what God says to do, you'll lose it. You'll lose it. And just to be honest, I think when I think about these three, this is probably my greatest struggle, is I, I bring worries to my moments with God. And I hear about God's faithfulness, and I hear about God, but then I just go back to worrying. You know, on Sunday, I feel like a, a load was lifted. You ever feel like that? I feel lighter. I feel better. But then Monday, I just pick it back up. That's my struggle. And so maybe what we really need to do is take time to weed our garden. Right? You know what I discovered about weeds? You don't have to plant them. Hello? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've never planted a weed, but I have to pluck them all the time. Here's what I want you to do, right? You don't have to plant weeds, but you do have to pluck them. If you don't, it'll, it'll choke the life out of what God wants to do in you this week. And then the final one, the final one, what does he say? He says that uh, there's some seed that fi- finds its way to the good soil, the fertile soil, or potting mix, whatever. That's, that's for my illustration. See, I do these things for you, okay? I want to make it understandable. This is my parable, right? Je- Jesus says some, some seed falls on the good soil. This is the heart that is receptive. This is the spirit that comes in soft and saying, God, whatever you wanna say to me, if it's challenging, if I don't wanna hear it, if it's hard, I'm gonna submit to the, to the authority of your word. This is the good soil. And Jesus describes what happens when the seed falls on the good soil in verse 23. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who does what? I want you to see this. This is the one who what? Say it out loud, who? I want you to take note of the wording. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I I want you to get this. It's not just enough to show up on Sunday and hear a message and go, that was good, and maybe say amen and clap and respond. You can't just hear it and even understand it. 
you got to produce something with it. You have to do something with it. God gives you seed, you got to plant it, you got to tend it, you got to pick out the weeds, you have to do something. And I love the language that this is the one who produces something with it. This is the person who takes the word they hear and they apply it to their life. Listen, I get up here and preach and make a fool of myself and be all crazy and bring illustrations and work on all day long. That's fine. And it will not make a difference in your life unless you actually take a message that God speaks to you and apply it that week. If God says, I want you to call that friend and I want you to forgive him, are you going to do it? Or are you just going to sit and feel convicted and then leave and forget about it? That's fine. That's fine. You can do that. But listen to me. It won't produce any change in your life. It won't help you. I'm sorry. It won't help you. You have to do something about it. And so here's what that means is that when God's word challenges what you hold, when God's word is clear and challenges a conviction that you hold or a belief or a practice in your life that does not line up, the question is, what are you going to do with it? But you got to do something with the seed. Good soil is the heart that says, I receive it. I receive it. You got to produce it and do something with it. Can I just tell you, I, I want this year to be the greatest year of your life of change. I want to see spiritual growth. Growth is not just on, above the surface, but also beneath the surface. I want to see roots. I want to see things change in your life. I really want to see that. But the question is going to be, what's the condition of your life? What's the condition of your soil? I want to be this. Anybody else? I want to be this. I want to receive this every single week. Come on, why don't you stand up to your feet? Why don't you stand up? We could rush past this moment. I know it's a message about a message. It's weird. It's weird for me to preach this. But I wonder how, how important it is for us as we begin this year together to hear this and to ask ourselves. And here's the question that I want you to wrestle with today. There's only one thing you remember about this moment today. Is to ask yourself, which one of these four soils represents my life right now? Which one? Is, is it hard? Is it hard? Have I become hard and cynical and critical and I just don't let anything in? Is it shallow because I'm not actually doing the work to develop deeper roots? Do I have some thorns? Do I have some weeds in my garden that I need to weed out? because I want to be good soil, amen? And so I, I just want us to bow our heads in this moment. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment? I want you to reflect on that. I want you to reflect. Which one honestly represents the condition of my heart? God, I, I'm here today, Lord, at the beginning of this year, part of this fast. God, I'm, I'm here today saying I, I wanna have soft, fertile, good soil for you to do work in this year. If you want God to work in your life, you want God to work in your marriage, you want God to work in your family, your relationship with your kids, you want God to work in your soul this year, then you have to take a posture of saying, God, I, I wanna receive what you have for me today. Maybe it's saying, God, forgive me for having hard soil. Forgive me, God, for, for not spending time with you. God, I want to prioritize you this year. That This is the year 
where I wanna see change happen in our life, in our family's life. God, this is the year where I wanna see things grow. This is the year I want my confidence to grow. This is the year I want my peace to grow. This is my year where I want joy to come back to my life. This is my year, God, where I want to walk in, in, a, in, a, in a renewed place with you. I want my passion to come back this year, God. This is a year, God, where I'm saying, I want you to have control of my life. This is the year where I'm laying it down, God. And we just lay our worries before you today. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I wanna say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.